Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, and welcome to this week's Sidebar. We're here to discuss episode seven of season two of Proof. I'm here with Jacinda and Kevin. This week we heard about what happened basically in between Jake and Ty's conviction and where we are today and how we got the case. We also heard a lot about the other suspects in the case. As we say in the show, it's not really an alternate suspect that's ever existed, but an alternate story. And we'll definitely be exploring that more in later episodes. But one thing I wanted to mention is, I think in episode one, we have Renee's mother. She said something that is almost a cliche in true crime about how Renee was a magnet. And the reason we included in the show is because we learned as we went along, it, it was this sort of feeling that grew on us of like, this girl had people drawn to her from everywhere. Yeah, drawn to her for a number of reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think her personality, she had friends, everyone knew her. But when she started to hang out with Jake and was living more on the streets, I think other types of people started to become drawn to her. I think what also came out during the course of your investigation, at least what I learned when I was out there, is that she had different circles of people too. Mm -hmm. And so there were different people who were being drawn to her and she was spending time with that maybe others didn't know about. And just to encounter people that we didn't even know knew Renee. And to hear again and again about, oh, that girl. Yeah, we knew her. Or, yeah, I saw her. And a couple of times, yeah, I tried to hit on her um, because she was cute. In a totally innocent way, but it just kept emphasizing that people saw her. They knew her. They noticed her. They might not have known who she was, but she was a very visible presence on Manteca streets. Yeah, there were several times we were talking about people and I remember, Susan, you and I'd be like, there's no way they knew who she was. And then, boom, we find out, well, actually, they did know her. Or knew of her. Or or knew knew of her. her. Or had been at a party with her or something. So I think you're right, Kevin. Like, there are many different circles that she was part of, and not all of them overlapped. And when someone starts living on the street, they start meeting different people. I mean, that's just the law of averages. She drew attention. Like people like were like wondering, what is this girl doing? Why is she here? Like what is going on with this? Yeah, she stood out. Yeah, I mean when Kat talked about the image of little red riding hood, I think that really resonates because here she is, this pretty young girl on the streets, 
not aware of the wolves surrounding her. I also felt like we kind of saw two Mantecas. We talked to a lot of people who describe Mantica as a slow, they call it cow town, slow backwater, where nothing ever bad happened, where everyone knew everyone. And we talked to this other side of Mantica that was really very different. And these people all knew each other. It's a small town still, but this image people had in the 90s and, and 2000 of Mantica being a safe cow town lived right next to the people who were saying the exact opposite and living the exact opposite. Yeah. And I think Jake and Renee were naive, right? They didn't, yeah. they weren't aware of that stuff. And they both had homes and they both had loving parents and they both had places to go. They were choosing to live out there. And I think they felt like they could do anything. Like nothing could harm them. We also heard this episode about Jake's legal representation and the year since his conviction. And he did have an attorney at one point, um, 2016, 2017. And unfortunately, the reality of a lot of innocence work is just a question of resources versus reality, resources versus the number of cases they have to deal with. And in Jake's case, he found a group that saw his case, said, well, like, obviously DNA evidence is going to be here. A gang rape should have left DNA evidence. This is going to be an easy case to solve. Let's test the DNA and, like, fucking find it. Like, let's do it. I think that the Exoneration Project reasonably assumed this was a case that DNA could give an answer to. And unfortunately for Jake, it turned out it isn't. Right. In this case, they, they retested the rape kit and it came back with the same results that it did in 2000. So it didn't advance his case at all. But there were a lot of items not tested ever. Her underwear was tested, but her other clothes were not. And most importantly, her necklaces were not. And the necklaces, we can't say for a fact that's what their murder weapon was, but it's a really good chance. It's hard to imagine how else she would have had three separate ligature marks on her neck unless she was killed with that. And given the nature of the material, like it's hemp, it's porous, it's the kind of thing skin cells are going to get stuck on. Like it's, it, it would have been a really good candidate for DNA testing. So when the results, when Jake's new attorneys, when the results came back the same, we mentioned in the episode that they dropped his case. And they had tried to test the necklaces. They did try to test the clothing. Like we said in the show, the police couldn't find it. What we know is that from the chain of custody forms, the ones they sign out evidence on to say where it's gone to, it says that the last known location of this evidence that we have from the form says, quote, all checked items were sealed and packaged for pickup by Mantica PD. And after that, they're gone. That's just unfortunate. I mean, it's yeah. closing doors on opportunities there. And I wish they'd test the necklaces back in 2000. Again, it's possible that would not have helped at the time, like where the state of the DNA testing was. Back then in 2000, what they were looking for was semen, looking for sperm cells they could test DNA from. That's where the tech mostly was. Touch DNA was not a thing like it is now. Maybe it's for the best. They didn't test it then because they couldn't contaminate it or ruin it. But now that they've lost it, that's, I mean, like seriously, those necklaces could have had everything on them. Like We could know everything we needed to know from the necklaces. And they lost them. What do you mean by contaminated or ruined? Yeah, it's possible if they had tried to test it, they could have exposed it to other DNA. Y you never know. Well, I, I think what you're saying is that sometimes when you test something for DNA, there's a possibility of destroying it in the process. 
So you're right. If they had tested it back in 2000 and the technology isn't what it is today, it might have not yielded anything and it could have destroyed the sample. Yeah. And a piece of evidence bagged away in plastic for a decade or two is preferable than a sample that's been passed around, handed off, touched by who God knows what. Because if you do test it and get a DNA sample that you do not know, I mean... If it's been bagged for two decades, there ain't too many options who it came from. But if it's been passed off and handled by everyone, then, I mean, shoot, maybe it's like a lab tech. Well, it would seem that if some of the materials can be located in the files in the future, that there would be the opportunity to test some of those with the more advanced technology now and maybe potentially find another DNA match. One can hope. What we know is that in 2016, Manteca Police Department could not find the clothes, could not find necklaces. Doesn't mean they're not there somewhere. And is there any hope? I mean, I don't know if it's the same district attorney, but in 2016, the district attorney agreed to new testing. And if these lost items were to be found, one would hope that the district attorney would once again agree to have them tested. They agreed before to test it. Turned out they couldn't find them, but they agreed before. So yes, I very much hope if they ever were found, that agreement would still stand. We've all been involved with cases where things have been filed in the wrong place. When are they filed in the right place? Like, where's the case where shit got filed right? I have, I have not seen it yet. <laughs> it's few and far between. I mean, the bowels of the L.A. District Attorney's Office still had the Manson stuff. I think when it comes to Manson, you're going to make damn sure you don't lose that stuff, right? Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. We also heard this episode from Eric Greer. He was someone who back in 2002, after Ty Lose was convicted, recorded a tape with Ty's friend, Sid Reams. And I wish we could talk to him. I mean, he died not long after that, so we, we couldn't hear from him directly. What we do know is that he was telling a story ever since Renee's death until he died, basically, that didn't get a lot of attention. Yeah, it seems like he was trying to get people's attention, and he just couldn't. Which is weird, because he's talking about this massive crime in Antica, and he started talking before Jake or Ty were arrested. He first contacted police, I believe, in July of 2000, late June. So before he ever knew that Jake or Ty or Ray would be arrested, he reached out to them and was like, here's something I know. And the police did look into it a little bit. They talked to the sisters. You heard what the sisters said in the show. Nothing came of it. 
but he didn't shut up after that. Like even after that, he kept talking. Yeah, and the the tape that you hear parts of in this last episode, he recorded after the conviction. You had Ty's friend Sid sitting there trying to do an extremely important interview and doesn't really know the questions to ask, doesn't know how to follow up on stuff. If an attorney had talked to Eric the way on record like that, and they did talk to him briefly. We know that there's at least one time he was talked to, but not getting the info they should have and definitely not on record like that. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of what ifs in this story. Mm. Things have just been done slightly different numerous times. There are a lot of what ifs. What if Eric Greer wasn't dead? And at the same time, his story does have confusing points. I think, as you heard in the show, like the, the general impression you get from it is he believed this. It does not seem likely from the case files or knowing what we know from talking to people that this was some kind of fabrication altogether. Like whatever happened, whatever the reality is, there was something that Eric Greer believed with his heart and soul. That, that much I feel certain about. Yeah, I do too. He he believed something happened. Maybe he didn't know exactly what that was, but he believed he had information. I think that's the running scenario in Manteca, right? Is that a lot of people believe they know what happened. Yeah, but not the way they didn't talk like Eric did. No one else has ever consistently kept trying to come forward until they literally died. But Eric was never really listened to. Like he was kind of screaming into a void because his story had weird parts, which we'll get into more later. His story had parts that didn't quite seem to add up. But as we got more into the story and saw like why he'd been discounted, things that shouldn't have been marks against him were, it turns out, like the shoes thing. Like So Eric was always like saying, I saw the white shoes, white tennis shoes at her at the house, the sister's house. And every news article, and there were quite a few of them, talked about how how Renee had been last seen wearing her brown and black vans. They were missing. So everyone says, oh, it, it couldn't have been Renee's shoes. She didn't have white shoes. But at the same time, like if he was lying, if he was making it up, if he was trying to like tell a story to match what he saw in the newspaper articles, he would have said he saw brown and black vans. Like if his story was motivated by what he saw on the news, he would match the news. And he didn't. He's always said the white tennis shoes. He said Keds, white Keds. Yeah. And Renee had white tennis shoes. Did she have them with her when she disappeared? We don't know. But like she had at least two pairs of shoes. She had the white Adidas she owned and wore all the time. So she bought the vans and she had the vans. So the fact that Eric saw white tennis shoes should not have been a reason to totally disbelieve him. Yeah. And we've confirmed that she did own a second pair of white tennis shoes with, well, Jake remembers that, but even her friends confirmed that she had a white pair of tennis shoes that she wore all the time. So that is what we've called the sister story. The story is not about the sisters necessarily, but it is about what happened at the sister's house. Yeah. So we started early on calling this the sister story because people would talk about, oh, at the sister's house or the sisters. And we're like, what is this they're talking about? And so in our heads, it became the sister stories. But, you know, when we found out about the tape Eric had recorded and we started researching, it became very clear it's, it's not really about the sisters themselves so much as the house. The house and the group. Uh, the house and the group and the people who would come in and out of the house. 
And, you know, like you said earlier, Susan, Eric tried really hard to get someone to listen to him and to believe him and to investigate what he's trying to say. And no one did. And it sort of has fallen on us, I think, to be that person he's been looking for to investigate the story as much as we can and, and try to talk to as many people as we can who, um, who may know what he's talking about. Yeah. Look, Eric believed he knew something. So let's find out why he thought that. But the sister story is not the only story. It's not, we found out, the only alternate story, alternate suspect, however you want to call it, in this case. In this last episode, you heard about the anonymous poster on the, was it Strange USA site? StrangeUSA.com. Which, yeah, I mean. It's defunct. It's not there anymore. But for a, for a while, it was like a, you know, a hub. And these people were genuinely freaked out. Like, it seems like. It's people working the late shift at Home Depot. They're there almost alone in the warehouse. It's dark and spooky. Weird stuff happens. And I, and here's my own theory from talking to people who work there. I feel like the bathroom had like a major draft going through because they all seem to like fixate on how the bathroom doors, like you'd try and go into the bathroom and the bathroom stalls just like go back and forth wildly. I love how you like, you're sure it was because <laughs> of a draft and not because there actually could be ghosts in there. Look, I just... <laughs> Just piecing together bits and pieces here. And that's <laughs> what I could pick up on. But, but I, I feel like there was nowhere else online to talk about this case. There was nowhere else that sort of had a collective of people talking about it. So even outside of the whole paranormal community, there was a conversation going on about Renee's death and what happened. I'm sure, like on Google, it must have been like a top search result. I don't know. You mean the site was a top yeah. search result, probably. Yeah. From the comments we can see on it, it seems like people over the years would Google Renee Ramis murder, wanting to learn more, wanting to find out what happened. And they'd stumble across this ghost site and they weren't necessarily there for the ghost stuff, but there was nowhere else where they could like talk into the void and tell what they knew and just tell anecdotes about Renee or Jake or Ty or just talk about how sad they were about all this happening. And I also want to say like, I'm not really a ghost person, but even I know like if a ghost is appearing, you don't tell the ghost they got no reason to be appearing. Like you don't try and tell them <laughs> that they could be a piece. Like the ghost knows the ghost is here for a reason. So all the Home Depot employees like discussing the best strategies for telling Renee she could be a piece kind of pissed me off. I'm like, like if you believe this and you do because you're here, maybe listen to her. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's good advice. Thanks for chiming in with that. <laughs> Thanks for your ghost expertise. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Like, listen to the ghost. <laughs> I don't know. I think it can work. One of my kids used to see ghosts and they would keep him up at night. And I told him, you need to tell the ghosts to go away and stop bothering you. And he did. And they stopped bothering him. Lost <laughs> <laughs> all kinds of credibility, didn't we? <laughs> it sounds okay. It sounds ridiculous. It's a ghost story, but it also led to someone out there in the universe, someone out there in the world making kind of like a scream into the dark after the site had died down like the site was dead there was no one checking the site there was no one still talking and someone found it and just felt like this kind of guilt and regret to me it read like this person learned from that site that ty lopes had died and they're like holy fucking shit i could have stopped that and i didn't because they posted they had evidence that someone else did it that they knew who did it and they should have come forward yeah look there's nothing to go on it could have been nonsense it could have been a whole just a random internet troll. And maybe it was. We'll see. But we knew we had to look into it. You know, 
It's one post, but if anybody can figure out if there's anything to it, I would imagine the two of you can. Someone is potentially sitting on what could be information about what happened that night or about an alternative suspect. So next Monday, tune in for episode eight, where Jacinda and I arrive in Manteca and start talking to people about what really happened. You've been listening to Proof Sidebar, a podcast by Red Marble Media in association with Glassbox Media. Send us your questions and comments at proofcrimepod at gmail.com. Follow us everywhere with the handle at proofcrimepod and on our website, proofcrimepod.com. Regular episodes drop on Mondays and you can find sidebars on Thursdays. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>